Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. We're going to be looking at why church this morning, and I'm really pumped about this. Um, I'm so excited because church is a passion of mine. I actually love the Church of Jesus Christ in all its forms, in all its shapes. Um, Many of you would know, many of you don't, that my whole history is traditional, super traditional. My all my extended family are really traditional, and um, and I love going to church in a traditional church. I love going to church in a vibrant church. Perhaps my most famous church that I've ever been to was in Washington, D.C., where um, there was a choir that sang literally for 45 minutes straight and where the ushers all wore white gloves and danced the offering down the aisle. And and that was the best. And so we're bringing it in. Um, Thank you. Uh, okay, so, so why church? Let me just give you a summary that, that in fact, um, people aren't waking up on Sunday mornings in our culture and thinking, why church? They're thinking, what can I do this weekend? Hopefully, I'll see some of my friends at my church called Bunnings Warehouse. Um, they're looking at home renos. They're looking at whatever they might do on the weekend. Australians live for the weekend. So culture is not saying, hey, let's go to church. The other thing that's not saying, hey, let's go to church is comfort. Because during COVID, we had this period of time, didn't we, where everyone was um, in their pyjamas watching church. Who had pyjama church? Anyone in the room? Did anyone stay in their pyjamas? Who got up early, brushed their teeth, like got out communion, spent four hours in prayer and fasting, and then watched church online? Yeah, no one. <laughs> Benny Longmire, was that a hand? <laughs> oh, you're having a drink. Okay, I was about to accuse. Um, and so um, church became comfortable. And so going to church actually felt like discomfort to us. Something that we'd had been doing for such a long time became a matter of discomfort to us. And then not only that, there was the cringe uh, of this feeling, this vague vibe that church isn't what it's meant to be. Not like, not like my favourite example, the worship leader. <laughs> Jesus is crying. Jesus is crying for you right now because who knows, that's cringy. Um, but, um, but the cringe of, oh, church just, there's something about it. I feel like I should be in community and I'm not finding it or, or I feel like we should all be involved and I feel like it's platform driven or, or I feel like, you know, we're meant to be outworking it, but it seems program driven. Whatever that looks like, there was this cringe of church doesn't appear to be the way that I think it should. And so why church? Culture, comfort and cringe all say why church? And then we looked at, well, we, we know that um, in Hebrews, gathering helps us persevere. It says, gather together and even more when you see the day approaching, even more. Not um, when you see the day approaching, then, you know, start watching church online and maybe just stay in your bedroom and have brunch in bed. (coughs) Like don't eat in bed, people, it's gross. Um, But um, gathering helps us persevere and go the distance. That's what the writer of Hebrews says. If If you'll keep gathering together, you'll have more chance of going the distance. Isn't that interesting? And church should have, it should be Christ first. It should be Christ exalting. Church should be something that lifts Jesus Christ high. It's not come to church and hear five points on how to live your best life now, though some weeks you might get that and that's wonderful, as long as it's always exalting Jesus Christ, as long as Christ is always the pinnacle and the one that we're going after. And if He's the one that we're going after, then a bunch of stuff can just fade away. A whole lot of opinion can just fall into the background. And this amazing thing called homothumidin happens 
as we all just bring our uniqueness, but rush along in the same direction. We're not trying to bring sameness because look at the person next to you. Who knows you're not the same as them, but you can be one with them as we rush along in the same direction and exalt Jesus Christ. Then there's the Eucharist. Um, Doesn't start with you, but doesn't matter because it sounds like it does. Eucharist, which we celebrate together. We're gonna celebrate it together here in this room. Um, on, the people on location have already celebrated it. Where as Anne Voskamp talks about, it, it's a remembering. We come back together around Jesus Christ, but we look across the room and go, that's right, I'm members of the one body with you. And then we remember that, okay, if it's about Jesus and, and it's about rushing along in the same direction, it's about remembering that we're part of the one body, then me, myself and mine doesn't matter so much. And I can, I can let go of some of my stuff and I can let the Holy Spirit begin to work His way in my life as I say, not my will, but yours be done. Man, then we're all about the cause. We're like, okay, go, go into all the world. Let's make disciples and then let's teach them to hold fast to all the teachings of Jesus Christ. It's very tricky. And so why the church? Why, why would God even use the church? Like why the church? We're not that great, let's face it. You're great, I'm not. Like we're not that special. Why would he use this eclectic bunch of people to carry his name and ensure that when Jesus Christ comes back, that he finds faith on the earth? Why? Why? Because he's all about relationship. And he uses relationship with us and our relationship with each other to show people in the, who aren't part of church how much he wants relationship with them. That's a lot of relationship, isn't it, Lorraine? I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I lost you there. Why church? So why church? Let's finish off. Let's finish off asking just a simple question, why church? Why church? And why? We talked about why, like why in the first place, because it helps us persevere and why the church. But why would I even get involved? Because after this message, in all our locations, I'm going to ask you to get involved. Now, I know that so many of you are involved already, but I'm going to ask you to ask the Holy Spirit, how should I be involved? What's the next step for me as part of the church of Jesus Christ. What do you want me to do, Lord? And so with all that in mind, why would I bother? Why? Well, there's really four things that we're going to look at this morning. But before we get there, um, I'm going to tell you a story that some of you have heard before. Some of you, this will be the first time that you've heard it. Uh, But it's about my daughter called Kate. And she was about seven. And we were in a time of prayer and fasting as a church. And what happened was, is that um, Jules, the then kids pastor at the time, had talked to the kids about how they might pray and fast, what they might give up that they love and what they might pray about and commit to God. And so Katie at that time had decided that she would give up afternoon tea. Now, I don't remember if any of you have ever been to school and remember how vital afternoon tea is in the afternoon. Like, it's like if the pantry is England, I'm a Viking invading that pantry. It's like... Give me all the snacks. Like you get so hungry. And add to that, that, that generally if you're at school, you eat lunch at morning tea time. And so then you've got this big stretch until dinner. And I know that some of you will judge me, but in our house, we sometimes don't eat dinner till 8 p.m. or 9 o'clock at night. I know, we're so European like that. And I'm a little disorganized. Um, but but we, we, we do, we eat late. And so Katie at the time was um, fasting afternoon tea. Now, I don't know how you feel about that. I just think she's amazing. But simultaneously, what was happening was that we were, she was getting bitten by mozzies. I, I know random things 
to be happening at the same time. But the other thing was that Kate was also allergic to mosquito bites. So we, the rest of the family, we didn't even know if we'd been bitten by a mozzie. Kate did. She would come out like in these welts, like she'd been bitten by a rabid dog. And at that stage, we had a rabid dog called Doug. And so we weren't sure which it was, but no, she would get bitten by mosquitoes and, and she'd come out in these massive welts and, and, um, and it would be really awful. And so we're like, we've got to get rid of these mosquitoes. We put these scentsy things in the room. Um, she was sharing a room with Lockie and, and he slept on the top bunk. So we're like, Lock, you're sleeping in your undies tonight. You're like an offering to the mosquitoes. See all this flesh, take that, just leave Katie alone. And, um, and so then Katie comes into the room middle of the night and she walks in and, and she's like, mum, there's, there's bees in my room and they're buzzing around. And um, Daz just kind of, if you're a dad, you'll know this feeling. He just kind of got up, walked into her room and went down to not even wake up in the middle of the night and just Katie jumped into bed with me. She said, there's bees in there. I said, no, sweetie, that's mosquitoes. They just sound like bees. They buzz around your ears. And she said, why do they, why do they hate me? And I said, oh, sweetie, that, it's not that they hate you. It's that they love you. There's something about you that they just like more than anyone else in our family. And, and, and I said, it's nothing to do with you. It's maybe something in your blood. We said, no, it is. It's something that I've done. It's the nerds. And I was like, I know you like Star Wars, but how does that have anything to do with mosquitoes and nerds? And, and she said, no, no, I get so hungry in the afternoons that I've been sneaking my Christmas nerds. And I don't know if you've ever seen a nerd. They're like that big. And she had this picture that because she'd broken her fast by going and eating a nerd or nourishment, that that then God had sent a plague of mosquitoes into her bedroom to eat her alive. And I was like, oh, Katie, what are you even fasting for? And she said, I want to get better at swimming and I don't want you to put Doug down. Now, judge me if you will, but Doug was a bad dog and I'm off a farm and if the dog don't work, the dog don't work. And so she's like, Mom, Doug, I don't want you to put him down. I'm like, well... Now, as it happens, she never did swim again and we never saw Doug again, so I'm not sure that's not her fault. But, uh, but she actually, in the middle of the night, is crying and thinking God had sent mosquitoes to her because she broke her fast with some teeny tiny nerds. Now, fortunately, she had a mum who could wrap her up in her arms and tell her that God's not like that baby. God loves you. He's a good father. And he doesn't care about the nerds. And he loves your heart. And he's looking at your heart. And church, I just wonder if we could be a church that to the world and their picture of God and whatever that looks like and whatever their experience has been, that they could come into a place where they see a loving father and a good God who cares about your heart and doesn't care about where you got it wrong. Can we be a church like that? Can we be a church like that everywhere across this region? Can we be that kind of church? Because that's what God calls us to be. So with all that in mind, there's four things that God wants us to do as the church. He wants us to portray the kingdom. He wants to prepare us for heaven. He wants to teach us perseverance and he wants to help us learn patience. So now I'm going to read a large track of scripture, which if you're like, you'll be thinking, good, Bron, because you just spent most of your time on a story. Um, So now I'm going to read a lot of scripture to you. So let's read this together. Well, don't you read it. I'll just read it. Okay. I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts he has given you now that you belong to Christ Jesus. 
Through Him, Jesus that is, God has enriched your church in every way with all of your eloquent words and all of your knowledge. This confirms that what I told you about Christ is true. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you strong to the end so that you'll be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. Everybody just breathe a sigh of relief. He's keeping us free from all blame. Thank you, Jesus. God will do this. For He is faithful to do what He says and He has invited you into partnership with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. For some members of Chloe's household have told me about your quarrels, my dear brothers and sisters. Some of you are saying, I'm a follower of Paul. Others are saying, I follow Apollos, or I follow Peter, or I follow only Christ. Has Christ been divided into factions? Was I, Paul, crucified for you? Were any of you baptised in the name of Paul? Of course not. I thank God that I did not baptise any of you except Crispus and Gaius, for now no one can say they were baptised in my name. So what's happening here? is that Paul's speaking to the church and he's saying, guys, it's all about Jesus. What are you doing talking about I'm of this person, I'm of Pastor Kerry and I'm of Trav and I'm of, I, I, I prefer Linnea's service or I prefer Andrew's service or, or, or I, what is that Paul's saying? That's nonsense. We're all of Jesus Christ. And he's saying, he's saying, don't get caught up in that kind of nonsense. Now, the interesting thing here is who do you reckon Peter, uh, Paul thinks is the best person? Himself, (laughs) of course he does. But he says, oh, I'm not even going to try and put my own case forward. I'm going to just point you all back to Jesus because that's all that matters right now. Oh, yes, he says. He has a thinker moment. Oh, no, I baptised some other people. I also baptised the household of Stephanus. (laughs) But I don't remember baptising anyone else. For Christ didn't send me to baptise, but to preach the good news and not with clever speech for fear that the cross of Christ would lose its power. Paul's saying, it wasn't even anything about me. It was just the Holy Spirit at work and the message speaks for itself. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world or as though you were mere infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger and you still aren't ready for you're controlled by your sinful nature. Who wants me to talk straighter in church these days? I just say, you guys, you know, this is how you're carrying on. Feed me! <laughs> and Paul's like, it's enough. Stop it. And you aren't, you still aren't ready for you're still controlled by your sinful nature. You're jealous of one another and you quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove you're controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like the people of the world? When one of you says, I'm a follower of Paul, he's reiterating again. Another says, I follow Apollos. Aren't you acting like people of this world? After all, who's Apollos? Who's Paul? We're only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts. Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose and both will be rewarded for their hard work. For we are both God's workers and you are God's field and you are God's building. And because of God's grace to me, I've laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. Why? For no one can lay any 
foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will, be, will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. I'm going to explain this to you in a moment. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. Don't you realise that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple. So if you're someone who tears down the church of Jesus Christ, let me read this verse to you again. God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple. Stop deceiving yourselves. If you think you're wise by the world's standards, you need to become a fool to be truly wise for the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. As the scriptures say, he traps the wise in the snare of their own cleverness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise. He knows they are worthless. So don't boast about following a particular human leader for everything belongs to you. Whether Paul or Apollos or Peter or the world or life and death or the present and the future, everything belongs to you and you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. Wow, what a meaty passage and what a necessary passage. You know, Phoebe, um, for anyone listening, just preached this amazing message in the 8.30 service and I encourage you to grab that podcast because I, I just felt as she was speaking like the best days of our church are in front of us. Because we see the division around us. We see the opposition around us toward the church. And as she began to speak about the holding fast and holding on and, and being the church and not worrying about the opposition, there was like this swelling in the room. I felt like this, this rise in the room of, yeah, we can do that. And, and you know what? We've had it so easy for so long that we could kind of nitpick around the edges at different things. But I believe that that day is coming to an end. I believe that the days are here when, when we've just got to keep the main thing the main thing and forget any nonsense that's at, at, at the edges because the opposition that might come towards us is so strong that we need to hold fast with each other. Is anyone on board with that? Do you reckon you can do it? We'll give it a crack, hey? Okay, so firstly, portray the kingdom. We need to portray the kingdom in here. You look at the person around you, look at the person next to you. You might never have them in your natural self around your home. But God says, be given to hospitality and you begin to know that that person's actually a part of who you are. You're going to portray the kingdom by your love for each other. People outside will know that you're his disciple, that you're happy just to slap on a bit of mortar onto this you yourself as a living stone and shimmy up to the person next to you and go, you're a bit smelly, but hey, God's fit us together. That you might be completely unlike that person. You, you might never have talked to them down the street, but because God has put you together as living stones, you're like, let's do this. God, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Let's build this temple. Let's get on with it. We are meant to portray the kingdom in that way. We're meant to be prepared for heaven. In Gladiator, Russell Crowe said, my name is Maximus Decimus Meridius, commander of the armies of the north, legion of Felix, loyal subject to Marcus Aurelius, husband to a murdered wife, father to a murdered son. It's nothing to do with this sermon. I just really like it. He also said, are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Also nothing to do with the sermon, but that's my other favourite quote from there. But he does say to the people, he says, what we do here in life echoes in eternity. 
What we do here in life echoes in eternity. And you know what? We read through that passage that talked about that the foundation of Jesus Christ is the most important thing. That's the only thing that matters, the message of Jesus Christ. And Paul says, you want to add to that different things? Then that's wood and hay and stubble and straw and whatnot. And at the end, as we're purified by fire, however that works, that'll get burnt up. And only the stuff that matters will remain. Now, let me extend the metaphor a little bit. How much of your life would just get burnt up if it was to be refined? How much is wood and stubble and hay and straw? Kids and I went and saw Batman. Please don't judge us. As a good mother, I probably shouldn't have done that. But we saw it yesterday, and man, it was dark. <laughs> it was dark. I've just come off a fast and not watched any TV. My spirit was like grieving. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, Katie was telling me that people say DC is much more dark than Marvel. And it's like, oh, no, Marvel's um, got heaps of murder and stuff in it. And it's like, no, no, it's literally dark. It was. Like, I was nearly falling asleep in this. That is off track. Come back. Okay, so um, watch Batman. That will definitely get burned up, I can tell you right now. Like, no one's like, oh, okay, let's weigh what you did on Earth, Bron. Oh, you watched Batman. Huh, that was, that was interesting. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, so much of our life does not matter, right? Like, how much of your yesterday matters? How much of yesterday lasts for you? It, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. So much of our life doesn't matter. But I can tell you, what you do as a part of the church of Jesus Christ matters actually echoes in eternity. Now, now, a lot of what you do as part of the church of Jesus Christ doesn't matter as well, let me tell you. If you get caught up in, 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 in wars and factions and all that kind of thing, all is going to be burnt up. But if you come in to the people of God and you serve them, if you come in and, and you talk to someone who you wouldn't usually, if you come in and love somebody that you wouldn't usually otherwise, or even if you would, love is always going to matter. Love is always going to go the distance. Love is always going to last. And the outworking of that love will prepare you for heaven. Serving in this place, church, it matters. It actually matters. And I don't want to get caught on what is the church and all that kind of thing. Like serving in whatever you call the church matters. But I would say as part of the Chapel Collective, serving matters. It really matters. It prepares you for heaven. I want to encourage you in that. It teaches us perseverance. Why? Because as you serve, Hmm. you're going to need to persevere. There's going to be times that you'll actually just want out. <laughs> There'll be times that the person who's serving next to you is having a coffee and talking and you're packing up chairs and you're like, <laughs> we have a job to do. And it's really going to bug you. Serving will teach you perseverance. Church will teach you perseverance. When you look at everyone else who's just, you know, floating in and floating out, you're like, I've served three times this month. It'll teach you perseverance. It'll, teach, it'll ask you the questions, why do I do this? Why do I get involved? It'll examine the motives of your heart because perseverance, when it's had its work, produces character. And character, when it's fully complete, it means that you're mature and lacking nothing. You can learn perseverance through the church of Jesus Christ. How good's that? It sounds negative, but it's super positive. It will, te- it will help us learn patience. It'll help us learn patience. Why? Because Jesus hasn't come back yet. And Jesus says, Will I find faith on the earth when I come? And he's talking about his people. Are they still going to be there? Are they still going to be committed? Are they still going to be all in? So what about you, church? Are you going to be all in? Because one thing I do know is that, that's the scripture that I referenced earlier. If you want to know if it's really there, it's really there. James 1.4 also there as well. You bail, you fail. 
You know, being part of a body, anybody, right? Is anyone here part of the Lions Club? Rotary. Yeah, it's not really our culture anymore, but um, maybe one of our locations. There are annoying people there too. <laughs> there are people that you don't necessarily get on with. Uh, there are leaders that you're going to find difficult. Have you ever considered that maybe God has put a difficult leader in your life because He's trying to work something out of you? And bailing means that you somewhere else need to go around that mountain again. You might find a leader that you love, that you're on board with and that you just are like, man, this is the best person ever. But God has to take you through that learning again somehow, somewhere. And He wants you to stay. He doesn't want you to bail because then you just have to learn that lesson again. And so I want to encourage you, church. And uh, in just a moment, we'll just release everyone online and we'll continue doing what we're doing. But there's an option in every location to get involved in church somehow. Whether it's in a connect group, whether it's serving on team, um, whether it's an I love my church day, whatever it is, there's an option to get involved. And so I'd love us to watch this clip right now. And if you need to go, by all means, you go, your location pastor will jump up. But here in the room, I'd love us to watch this clip. And I'd love us as the church to ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do as it relates to the church of Jesus Christ? What is it that you want me to do? I've been hanging around on the periphery maybe, or maybe I've been all in right, right at the core. But, but all of us have a next step in this. All of us have a next step of what God wants us to do. So I want to encourage you to, to look at that this morning. Let's play this clip. Let's see how we go. On Christ alone Our chief cornerstone No other foundation Can we build upon Not philosophy Nor the wisdom of man All other ground Is sinking
worship songs I would say of all time and that's what I've got to follow <laughs> fantastic well my name's Travis if you don't know me and uh, along with my wife Sarah we are the location pastors at the chapel Bendy so we're down for the day and uh, very excited I'm actually uh, really excited to bring us around communion today and uh, something I'm incredibly passionate about you should have somewhere around one of these little communion emblems if you don't, can you please put your hand up and a host will be around to hook you up with the goodies. Now, these take between 10 to 15 minutes to actually get into. So I'd suggest that you start now. That would be good. Start now. Hey, um, can I say, a sh- a- oh, this is not going to work, is it? Put your hand up as well if you drove a car here this morning or you were driven in a car. Now, quickly put your hand down. Okay. We've established that was a lot of people, a lot of people. And we live in an amazing time, an amazing country, amazing place for that fact. You know, only 17%, 17% of the world has access to drive a car that actually has good transport. And uh, for the wiser generation, I'll keep it wiser. You may remember going from a no-car household to a one-car household or maybe from a one-car household to a two-car household. And uh, I was born in 1994, 
And uh, if that scares anyone, I'm sorry. 1994, cars and technology were booming at that time. It was just a part of my growing up life. Mum and dad always had um, one car or two cars and that was just part of life. It was because I was accustomed to it. I was born into it, right? Maybe for you, maybe it's the same. Maybe you're born into that. Maybe you remember it. I'm going to read for us this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 to 26. This is Paul uh, in a letter to a Corinth, and he's just talking about the Last Supper, about Jesus uh, before he's taken away and crucified. Stunning verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And that's what we're doing here this morning, proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. And I want to focus on the new covenant. Because I think for a lot of us, it's hard for us to understand a time before Jesus came because just like the car, we've always lived in the new covenant. It can be hard for us to to grasp that. I was talking to Sarah yesterday about if you had all the boldness in the world to run up to someone random in the street and say, hey, can you remember me when I go? Um, After they call the police and you get an AVO out on you you'll realize you can't. It's very hard to remember someone when you don't know them. And I'd love to, if I had an extra 20 minutes, I'd love to get into that. But um, I want us to think about this, this car analogy or technology maybe. I want you to think very carefully about how your life would look if you didn't have access to that car that you drove here this morning or you didn't have access to transport or maybe for you, you didn't have access to a mobile phone or maybe uh, technology, maybe running water, whatever it may be. Because our faith life without Jesus or before Jesus compared to after Jesus could be compared to that, but on an exponentially larger scale, so much bigger. See, before Jesus came, every time we stuffed up, we would have to go and sacrifice, usually sacrifice an animal uh, in order to redeem our righteousness with God. So every time you stuff up, you've got to go down to the sale yards. If Jesus hadn't come, buy a lamb, bring it to Bron, because we only had access to God through the priest. Bron would slaughter it and then work through a beautiful prayer as only Bron can pray, and then your sins are forgiven until the next hour when you do it again. That would get very expensive for me. I don't know about you. Before Jesus came, it was it was not good. It was, yeah, not good, not good. And then Jesus comes. Jesus comes, He lives with us, He teaches us, and in time He's crucified as the perfect atoning sacrifice to sin to replace that old covenant with His new covenant. And this brought us to an amazing time period where we have this open the floodgates type of access to God. All of a sudden we can communicate with God freely. We have His Word. We're not just bound by the constraints of the law. We have His Word. We have His Holy Spirit. We have uh, access to His church. These amazing people sitting next to you. Just incredible. I really feel like it's taken us in that moment when Jesus was crucified from a horse and cart style approach to a six lane freeway in terms of how we have access to God. 
But here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. We have all this access, but how well do we use it? Just like your car, you imagine the incredible potential that your car has to do good. How do we use it? Do we use our cars to just go get our groceries or maybe just go for a drive on a Sunday afternoon? Or do we do them to take food to the sick? Do we do them to um, take someone for a ride and encourage them about Jesus? Do we use them to go out onto the mission field? And think about our phones. Think about these incredible technology that we have in our hand, the incredible uh, things that we can do with it. And are we using it to scroll Instagram and Twitter and just go through those mundane tasks and try and fade away from the world? Or are we using it to call someone up and encourage them or call someone up and pray with them? And so think about this all open access relationship that you have with God and how well do we use that? And I think that when Jesus is talking about remember me, he's not just talking about remember what I did. He's saying, remember what you have access to because of what I bought for you. My blood is paid so that you can have open access to God. And that's what we're going to do this morning. I want us to remember that you have in your hands the most incredible tools and how we use them. Well, that's on us. So I'm going to pray. And as we take these little emblems, I hope that you've got into them by now. I really do. I want you to remember that. Remember not only what Jesus did and what He paid for you, but also what you now have access through the new covenant. So Father God, we thank You so much that we have access to You. We thank You, God, that we can even just speak to You. What an incredible gift to be able to speak to the living God. God, we remember You right now. We remember, God, what You paid for us. And we thank you, God, that we can live now under your new covenant. We're not stuck in the old, but we're propelled to the new. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued, and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.